Welcome to the Lighthouse Financial Advisors Money Over 50 podcast with Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. This information is general in nature and does not take into account your objectives, financial situation or needs. Therefore, you should consider whether the information is appropriate for you and your personal circumstances. If you require personal advice, please contact Lighthouse Financial Advisors. Here are your hosts, Dallas Davison and Michael Hogue. Welcome to episode 14 of Money Over 50. Today we're going to talk about should you have a budget? So we're going to talk all things budget. Uh, I'm Michael Hugg. I'm here with Dallas Davison, as always. Uh, Dallas, can you explain firstly the the two different types of budget that someone might have? So as we were talking about this, I said, well, it's probably not, not the, a great way to structure the question because should you have a budget implies that there is a way to not have a budget. Now, the way I think of it is, when you talk to people at a budget, you normally get uh, a frown or a, a bit of a grimace from them because people think of a budget as here is a, a structured thing of I have this amount of money that I can spend on each of these things. So that's what I would say the first category of budget is where it's a detailed breakdown of your expenditure. So how much do I spend on rates? How much do I spend on insurances? How much do I spend on dining out, holidays, all that type of thing? So it's it's, that's what most people would think of when they think of a budget. Um, in reality, whether you actually have that detailed breakdown or, or not, you do have a budget in the same way that you have a diet. So you, you eat food every day, whether you have a diet plan and have a structure that you stick to or whether you just eat whatever you want, you still do have a diet. So the second category of budget is, is one where you basically work backwards from what you need to achieve with your cash flow every week. So you might work out how much I need to save in order to meet my retirement goals. Uh, For example, I need to save $300 per week. You might just say, I'll take that off the top and I'll just spend the rest on whatever I want. I don't care where it goes, what it goes on. As long as I'm saving enough, the rest of of my expenses can fight amongst themselves as to where I want to spend that money. That's an interesting one because that, that can work that budget. Um, uh, in episode three of this podcast titled Drive a $15,000 Car and Draw an Extra $717,000 of Income in Retirement, um, we look at an example where by putting away $300 a week into your superannuation fund for the last 15 years of your working life, you can actually draw an extra $717,000 of income throughout your retirement. So that might be enough for people to be able to do. So it, it, it's it's quite acceptable then to to do that first and then, as they get paid and let every other, as you mentioned, every other expense can fight it out. Yeah. And if you have zero savings after that, um, then you've still hit your goals. So there are different ways that, that, that your budget will work. Um, I always, my, my first thought is that it has to be something that's easy and that has to, um, uh, not require too much time to actually sit down and regularly update. So you have yep. to have uh, certain rules of thumb. This, this is one that we've debated a fair bit because our, our views on this differ a little bit because as we say, over the years of doing this, I just eventually have reached the point where I'm sick of budgets. I'm done with budgets because as I said, I'm sick of being lied to. People sit down and do a budget <laughs> and say, this is my plan, this is what I'm gonna to stick to. The reality is they have no idea what they're going to spend their money on. 
And as we all know, when there's money in the account, we spend it. As, as, as do I, as does Michael, as does everyone we know. It's just human nature that that is how we, how we work. So to me, I don't care. I don't care whether the money goes on holidays or clothes or dining out or uh, putting basic food on the table. I don't want to get involved in, in that depth of discussion most of the time with my clients. So I tend to work more with my clients and with myself on the second version, which is let's just sit down and work out what do I need to be putting aside, what am I comfortable with putting aside, and then go and do whatever you want with the rest. So I know, Michael, you're a little bit different sometimes with your some of your clients. It's it's really a blend of the two. So it, it's not quite a detailed breakdown of expenditure, and it's and um, but it crosses over into that, and it also does tie in working backwards. So yeah. to give you an example, um, I'm all about getting. I'm all about rules of thumb. All about and, silos, and I'm all about silos. So what we what we what we refer to as silos, um, I have quite a few different bank accounts set up and I have, uh, as myself and my wife get paid, we have money getting transferred, uh, which is one thing I definitely believe in, pay cycle transfers, we'll talk more about that. So we get paid fortnightly, um, we transfer X amount into our bills account, X amount into our holidays account, because travel is something that's important to us. Um, we have X amount go into a spending account. And we have X amount go into our superannuation funds as well. So, so money gets dispersed into different accounts. So right now, um, if I was to take a look at it today, our holidays account has about four thousand dollars in it at the moment. So it's ready for uh, uh, some travel later in the year. Um, it's getting added to all the time. Uh, our bills account has about five thousand dollars in that now. Sometimes that has as much as $7,000 in it, and then we have rates and regos and things like that come out of that and insurances, and it drops back down to $2,000. But we're topping it up all the time on a fortnightly basis, which is one of the things that is very, very important, yeah. is um, what we refer to as pay cycle transfers. Yeah. Um, and, and what that means is that if you get paid fortnightly, we want to look at your, for example, your um, major bills, which would be rates, insurances, uh, registrations, and things like that. That's not an exhaustive list. We want to divide those bills by 26 fortnights, and we want to have our clients actually put, well, I want to have my clients put um, that amount of money into their bills account each. each. And I don't care. And you don't care. <laughs> I don't care what you do with it. <laughs> you. Yeah. I know that most of the people that we work with, they're, they're going to find a way to pay their rego. They're mm -hmm. just going to make that happen. So yeah. I don't normally tend to uh, even, I guess I have that discussion generally early on the piece, but what I've found over time is that it's basically to some degree been a waste of my time and a waste of my client's time if I get too involved in it because particularly when people are coming in to see us, they've got uh, a lot of... Uh, a lot of years of habits that they've built up and for some people there is a certain way that they have things working I it's almost one of those ones where I don't want to touch it in case I break it so unless unless the client comes in with severe cash flow issues and they cannot you know and they're running out of food by the end of the week and things like that I normally don't want to get involved in it I want to stay much higher level and and like I say work backwards from that from that goal. It, it is a good, I mean, it is horses for courses. So um, to, to use an example, uh, we also talk about, we, so, we also talk about people with 
what we refer to as a base level of cash. Yep. So they will hold um, $20,000 for some people. Some people it's $30,000. For some people it's negative $40,000. <laughs> for some people, yeah. <laughs> they live out of a, Critical. an overdraft. Um, uh, but, but yeah, most people, uh, it is a base level of cash that they like to hold. Now, now what we also talk about is that is that if they go below that level, so if your base level of cash is $30,000 and um, all of a sudden you have $25,000 in there because of a few different expenses that have come out, what we find is those people naturally tighten their belts over the next few pay runs and yep. they very quickly build that money back up to $30,000. Yep. If that money builds up from $30,000 to $40,000, we find that They'll they find, find way some to way it. to spend $10,000. And they always like to sit around at a, a base level of cash. Now, it's different for everyone. Um, but for those type of people, things run a little bit smoothly. I mean, they've got a, they've got a pool of funds in there to, to work with. Yep. And what you're telling me and the audience, Dallas, is that as long as that they're meeting their contributions to their superannuation fund, uh, exactly. if you know, if in the example that they're accumulating towards retirement, then it doesn't really matter. Yep. Um, once they've done that, it doesn't really matter what expenses they have, uh, they will, they will meet it out at $30,000 and then they'll always sit around $30,000 of cash because if they go below that, they'll naturally tighten their belts yep. to move back to that level. If they go above that, they'll find something to spend that money on. Exactly right. Um, so that's, I guess, our different perspectives on that. Um, just to wrap up, I guess, as we said, it is horses for courses. So if you're listening to this and you're not really... Um, sure where you fit or if you're not sure if you are working your budget the right way for you some of the advantages and disadvantages of each of these ways of doing things is if, if we look at the the detailed budget or the detailed breakdown of your expenses the disadvantages of doing that of sitting down and working out exactly where every dollar is going is that for most people it's very boring mm. uh, people lie to themselves um, and as you said Michael it's hard to it's hard to stick to that sometimes. If, if you're not that way inclined, you may not necessarily work on that on a regular enough basis to, to make sure that you are actually sticking to that budget. The main advantage that I see of that detailed budget, and this is why, um, as much as it pains me, sometimes I do still have to work through this with clients, is that, <coughs> is that uh, it tends to be pretty easy to see with people whether they are, with their spending habits, are they getting value out of, out of most of the money that out of every dollar they spend. So this is kind of one where um, I guess the, the disadvantage of, a, of the goal-based system is that sometimes people are overspending in areas that they don't get enjoyment in. So for example, someone might come in and say, I'm paying $7,000 for home insurance. And you, you sort of go, well, that seems high relative to other clients that I have. Maybe you should go and get that um, looked at that's a good example of one where I had that recently and I've referred that, that person to an insurance broker who was able to save $3,000 a year. So by going into a bit of detail there, it, it tend to find some of those little things. Is that what you tend to find? Yeah, so, so, I, um, so what you're saying there is that, is that when, you're, when you have, for example, a, a bills account, if yeah. we call it that, and you're putting money into that and building that account up, and and your insurance just comes out of that, yep. you don't tend to look at if you're overpaying yep. for insurances and things like that because you have the money there ready to go. Yep. Um, I do find that, I do find that, and most commonly with, um, 
with those types of accounts, so bill paying accounts and things like that, which yeah. which raises an interesting point. Um, I think if you run a a non-detailed budget, so if you go with the goals-based system, just yeah. to be clear, yeah. um, that's not looking at every expense with a fine-tooth comb. Yeah. Uh, it, it's it's uh, have we been putting enough away into our superannuation funds on a per-pay basis, for example, to meet our goals? Yeah. Um, you don't tend to look at the individual expenses as much. Yeah. I think there's value in in looking at everything with a fine tooth comb roughly every three years. Yeah. And why I say every three years is that is that with health insurance and home insurance, these t- these tend to be the main ones. So health insurance, home insurance, car insurance, those types of things tend to creep up, creep up, creep up. Yeah. And the sum of all parts yep. over a three-year period means that you're quite often paying thousands of dollars or more than that you might already need to be doing. Um, would you get value out of looking at all of those expenses every 12 months? You would. Uh, however, it's a huge job. Yep. So it's a whole weekend, yeah. oftentimes, yep. because you're looking at these expenses and, and then ringing around and trying to um, obtain new quotes and saying, does this health plan really suit us now, yep. given that... Yeah, we may not be taking advantage of all these things. So, so my views there, and what I've communicated with my clients is that you get value out of doing that roughly every three years, and that's the extent that myself and my family look at it as well. We we we, we pull everything out of it with a fine tooth comb roughly yeah. every three years, yeah. go through all of our budget items, and um, a, a really good process to go through is: do I still get value out of this? Yeah. And if and if you don't. If you can get rid of that expense completely, this, this sounds it's like good. Uh, what's the the cleaning up lady, Mari Mari Kondo? Does this spark joy in me? This expense? Oh, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, uh, uh, do if I can't if I can't get rid of it, can I minimise it? Yeah. So insurance is a really good one there yeah. because they creep up, creep up, creep up. Can yeah. I take a few bells and whistles off this insurance? Yeah. Um, this health insurance, for example, to get the premium down from. Five thousand dollars a year to three and a half thousand dollars a year. Yeah. Um, or, or, or do I still need it? Do yeah. I still need it in its current format? So yeah. if you go through that, I mean, I, I, I say rule of thumb roughly every three years to go through those things. That's a really good example of one where you know if if you were uh, if you were interested in this type of thing, you might look at that every year, and you, it might not be that painful for you. But for most people who don't enjoy it you could say we'll look at this once every three years versus looking at it every year every if we look at it every year it's going to take three times as much time mm. and it's going to be three times as painful and it's probably not going to make a huge difference whereas if we just look at it every three years it's enough to to tighten up all those things uh, but not enough that you feel like you're constantly having to focus on that that's right and 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 it also gives i mean uh, over 36 months you tend to sign on to a few things that you don't, and and they yeah. these are your ten dollar and twenty dollar yeah. things per month yeah. that you um, collect along the way, and, and yeah. you may not be getting value out of that. So, for example, uh, you might have signed up for both Netflix and Stan, and then find at the end of a period of time that you really don't watch Netflix that much. You watch more of Stan, yeah. but you're paying, you know, two lots of twelve dollars yeah. per month. So. Yeah. Yeah, if you look at that every three years, you can you can cull yeah. some of those items as well, and it gives yeah. you a bit more of a length of time to yeah. to to um, to work out if you're getting any value out of that or not. Yeah, um, and that so that's a good example of the, <coughs> the the main advantage that 
the, the main disadvantage, sorry, that I see in the, in the goals-based system is that, like we said, you, you can easily be overspending in areas that you don't get enjoyment in. Uh, and like those insurances, those regular expenses that you're just not checking off on uh, often. Uh, the other main disadvantage that, that we see is that um, you, you might actually have capacity to meet your goals quicker, but you, you haven't sat down and, and worked through that. So those two tend to tie in together is that if, if occasionally you do that and sit down and go, well, I have been saving 300 bucks a week, but I could easily bump that up to 400 or 500, that may be more important to you and that might allow you to meet your retirement goals sooner yep. or spend more in retirement or go on uh, more holidays in retirement, those types of things, which might actually be uh, more important to you than actually spending that money as you are at the moment. Can you just give us, Dallas, just a quick recap on the two different types of budget for the, uh, just for the, the listeners? So there's the, the detailed breakdown. So that's where we go through each line item and say, this is how much I spend on rates. This is how much I spend on insurances, dining out, holidays, all those types of things. Uh, and then there's the second category, which is what we're talking about with a goals-based system, where this tends to be, like I say, what, uh, what we do with our clients is sit down and work out What's your, what are your retirement goals? What's the target in mind that you have? How much will I need to put away every week in order to, to meet those goals? So this could be um, you know, contributions to super, it might be loan repayments, those types of things. What people think of as, I guess, savings is if we work out that you need to save $300 a week through a combination of loan repayments and super contributions, as long as you're doing that, we don't care about anything else. So th I, get, I think the the main advantages of that, that goal-based system are that, like we said, it works really well for people who don't want to, don't want to think about it. You can just go, okay, well, as long as, uh, like, like I said, a lot of my clients find that if I'm putting away that $300 a week, I don't have to worry about it, I don't have to think about it, I know I'm on track, I know I'm doing everything I need to. And that, that ties into, I guess, this, the <coughs> another advantage of that is that it's, it's I guess, a bit of a, for some people, they have a lot of guilt around their spending habits, and, mm. and it, it, you know you tend to see that, um, and you notice that we talked about reducing expenses in things that you don't get enjoyment in. So, I see this a lot with people who are getting close to retirement, where they say, oh, "I probably shouldn't be spending this much on travel," for example, even though travel is something that's really important to them and they enjoy a lot. I guess the way I think of it is is trying to say to those people, "Hey." As long as you are making your contributions to super that we talked about, you're making your loan repayments that we talked about, we know you're on track to retire when you wanted to. Travel as much as you want, do whatever you want with the rest of it, enjoy that money, enjoy, enjoy spending it without having to, I guess, second guess yourself as you're spending. The other advantage, that's a good point, um, because that does remove that guilt, definitely. And it provides, it, it, it provides context around your budget, really. Yeah. So, so it, pro it provides, your example there is providing context around someone's doing all they need to in order to, to be in the position that they need to be to retire so they can spend more money than they normally would guilt-free to do some travel. The other thing that it does, um, uh, and I've seen in the past, and you would have seen this no doubt as well, is when you look at the goals-based system of budgeting, it might come out with a figure that someone needs to contribute $400 a week you know, as a couple to their superannuation funds. Um, when, if you would have gone through the first option, the detailed breakdown yeah. of their expenses, um, it may have generated only a hundred or two hundred dollars yeah. of spare cash flow yep. um, each week. 
when you start from when you start from where they need to be and work backwards like the goals based system yeah it does a couple of things one it provides context around um why why you need to spend four hundred dollars to put towards your superannuation to enhance your retirement or to get it to where you need to be the other thing that it does is it immediately changes the framing to to okay i just have to cull some other expenses now yeah. i have to come up you know, yeah with i have we, to make we, it we really have to we're saving 200 dollars a week right now yeah we need 400 dollars a week so we just have to come up with yeah 200 dollars of cold expenses yeah and when you look at the the list of every line item that you can have in your budget it's it's a list that falls of you know an a4 sheet yep. of paper quite easily yeah um, so oftentimes if you can just shave so and it's not even about getting rid of things that you like to do it's about shaving them yep. and what we find is when you when you work out yeah you know, when you work out and you put a plan in place uh, and you execute that plan with your clients and then you we, we always have a catch-up roughly four or five pay runs after a new plan has been put in place and the feedback that we get from our clients is that they're doing it standing on their head yep. because they now have some context around yep. why they need to do it and they just haven't noticed the difference yeah yeah exactly right it, it's a um, it is I guess a different way of thinking about it where it's you know there's it's been personal financial advice since the beginning of time is, is pay yourself first so and that's mm-hmm. I guess having that goal or this specific um, figure in mind of pay yourself that $400 or that $300 per week first. That has to happen. That's non-negotiable. Mm. Then the rest of it, make it fit, make it work. And like you said, we tend to find that it's it's easy to stick to that because there's a very clear reason and the context for, the, for that decision and every week, every week or whatever that amount is, it's easy to stick to it because our clients know exactly why they are doing that. So. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's uh, that's a fair bit of detail there around the different ways to think about your budget. The other, the other thing that I might just add is that where possible, automate everything yeah. you do. So, you know, we talk about four hundred dollars a week in this example of superannuation. Now, if you got paid fortnightly, yeah, it would be eight hundred dollars per fortnight that yeah. you'd be making because you want to make your contributions yeah. um, around your pay cycle. Yeah. So, and if you got paid monthly, yeah. it would be yeah, yeah the equivalent sixteen hundred in, in a bit. Um, so, so, and where automation really makes a difference is that you don't have to think about it. And what I'm talking about with that is that you want to have a system where if the figure is $400 a week and you get paid weekly, yeah. then you need to set up a recurring BPAY from your bank account yeah. or you do it via salary sacrifice with your employer. So you want to automate it so it goes straight into your superannuation. Yeah. Uh, and you don't have to think about it yeah. because yeah. then it's, it's, it's you, done. You basically want to reduce the amount of decisions you have to make. You don't want to have to get there every week and make the right decision every week. You want yeah. to make the decision once, get the structure in place and have it so that you actually have to go in and change that. Not, not that you have to make the right decision every week. Yep. It's that almost you can't get it wrong. That's right. Wrapping up. Well, I think that's, I guess, the, a good point to finish on, which is that uh, we've talked about the different ways of thinking about the different ways of doing things. For most people, what you find is that the best budgeting system is just the one they're going to stick to. Yep. And so 
some people are more inclined to go into that detailed breakdown and look at those things individually. Um, some people want to look at those things every year, one, some people every three years. Some people don't want to do that and they just want to work out how much do I have to put aside every week to be able to meet your retirement goals. Whichever one of those you are most likely to stick to is going to be the best one for you. That's correct. Yeah, and, and it's really good. It's really useful to work backwards uh, under the goals-based system because what you really want to be able to do is 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 work out the equation of giving. I'm giving up X amount now, and what I'm getting later on is this much. Yeah. So it, it really does help people stick to the plan yep. when you look at it from that point of view because giving things up uh, without getting back, yep. you know, something. Uh, that's much greater yeah. uh, in context is it, certainly difficult for people to do. So, so it is one that will work for you, the, the right budgeting plan that will work for you. Um, it should work under the goals-based system of working backwards, working out where you need to be to live the re- kind of retirement that you want to live and working backwards and, and certainly um, automating that as much as possible yeah. are, the th- are the three rules of thumb that we would, we would discuss in wrapping up. Thank you. Thank you for listening to the Money Over 50 podcast with Lighthouse Financial Advisors. We look forward to catching up again soon.